0: Simply Abundant, Intuitive Hour, The Journey of Attachment, a special series that takes a deep dive into the topic of insecure attachment and why you can't let go. Here's Tracy Crossley. Here's a breadcrumb, there's a breadcrumb, everywhere's a breadcrumb. Where is the whole loaf of bread? Better yet, where is the bakery? Because I want to go there because I love to eat a whole donut. I like to eat a whole loaf of bread, really. Have you ever sat down and had olive oil or butter with bread? Oh my God, okay. I'm getting hungry. So I'm doing a workshop on breadcrumbs. Not in reality breadcrumbs, but the kind of breadcrumbs that you're used to when it comes to relationships and the kind of attention you've gotten from a partner or not gotten from a partner and wondered why. What is it about me that keeps me just accepting breadcrumbs. Well, there's a lot of reasons why we do that. A lot of them have to do with how we were raised and what we felt we had to do to be loved. And so whether you're in a relationship and you're getting so little attention and you feel needy and you feel like you can never get it right, and why do you always have partners where you're feeling this way? Or those of you that are dating and seem to be in the hellish pattern of having somebody who showed up in the beginning and you thought this is superwoman, superman, super something and this relationship is going to be super something and then it turned into super nothing and it turned into super nothing only to arise from the dead and become something again because what happened was this person was around oh yeah I want to be with you this is great blah 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 and then slowly or abruptly they left the scene and then they showed back up as though nothing was wrong, they were just busy, or, or whatever excuse, okay? Whatever it is. So at that point, they're not such quite uh, shiny superhumans at that point, right? But they still have something, because you want it, and so you don't want to say no and you keep going. Therefore, setting the precedent for the pattern of just getting enough breadcrumbs to keep you interested, to keep you stuck, to keep you from moving on or doing anything besides waiting for this person to keep showing back up in your life. And this can go on for years. You can even marry somebody where it's yo-yo time, right? It's push, pull, push, pull, push, pull. So when you've been breadcrumbed, you gotta ask yourself, don't I deserve the whole biscuit? I think so. I think you deserve the whole Love Bakery. So you should join me on December 6th when I'm gonna do a workshop on the subject of breadcrumbs and how to stop it how to not have breadcrumbs rule your life. So the workshop is called The Recipe to Stop Collecting Breadcrumbs, How to Be the Hero Shiro in Your Love Bakery. And right now, I have a deal going where you can buy one full price ticket for $149 and for another 50 bucks, you can get a second ticket. So you can bring a friend. I think that's a great deal because I think we should bring our friends to these things, right? Why not? We talk to them about this all the time I'm guessing because I know in my own life I had friends that were going through the same thing. So I think it just makes for a bigger group of people who are ready to give up the breadcrumbs. So please join me on December 6th. I'll see you there. Greetings. How are y'all doing today? I am very well. We have another journey of attachment. This is uh, podcast number 411. Number 410 would have been the Friday podcast, and that is a Facebook Live that I am now doing until the end of the year, so that we can prepare for what we're going to be doing. Yeah, what we're going to do on Fridays. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So hang in there, and uh, yeah, I think those are helpful, though. You know, those are questions I get all the time, and... Some of them, it's good to hear, right? Right. Okay. Intimacy is not a gender thing. It's a human thing. I believe that's a good thing to recognize because, oh man, do I hear it over and over. It's the men. It's the women. It's both. Or let's say it's all of us. Okay? All of us. Wherever you fall into that, it's all of us. So whatever gender you were born as, and that, my friend, doesn't even matter. Okay? Because I have worked with pretty much everybody. I have worked with everybody. So, and I'm not just talking about your uh, gender or your sexuality or your race. I'm talking your financial status. I am talking about your positioning, whether you're single, married, you're cheating, you're not cheating, you have orgies every weekend, you don't want to get rid of your house cuz your kids will get pissed and that's why you're going to stay married or you're both you're married and your kids know you're dating or um god I'm trying to think of like anything and everything out there it's um you're in a relationship and you're in several relationships you have a, a girlfriend and then you have another girlfriend and you have another girlfriend and then you have uh, one person you're married to or boyfriend and boyfriend a boyfriend, whatever. Okay. Or you have the simpler <laughs> positioning. Okay. Whatever. I don't care. Cause the deal is all these things I'm talking about have a lot of bearing in terms of how we see things when we judge them, but they don't have a lot of bearing when it comes to the intimacy. Because intimacy is really a human thing. It's something that we physiologically are wired for, but that we are conditioned to reject. Ooh, that sounds pretty horrible, doesn't it? Yeah, being conditioned to reject it. Conditioning is basically, for many of us, something we've done in survival mode, right? Many of us base our beliefs of the world on it, and meaning my beliefs developed when I was in survival mode as a kid, right? The experiences I had, how I looked at things, it all came back to me feeling like this, was, this is where it's at. This is how the world works. And unfortunately, I missed out on a lot that way. I missed out on a lot because I didn't know I was missing out. I didn't know that I was developing a shield or some kind of armor to wear that would keep me separate from somebody else right? That would keep me always in that place of not feeling okay if I was getting close to somebody, right? So that is a lot of us. We may learn the world is not a safe place emotionally. That's what we may learn, right? We may learn that it's not one where love is shown or given easily, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, right? It becomes normal for some of us to either experience love from our parents as performance, but we don't get acceptance unless we are performing in some way, shape, or form or validation. And just being alive isn't something that we feel unconditionally loved for. It feels conditional. You know, it also may feel scarce because of a parent's inability to show it or be consistent with it because of their own upbringing. A lot of it comes back to their own upbringing. For some of us, our parents made every decision for us. Some of us had helicopter parents. And that was around, sorry, many generations. There's always been overprotective parents. Maybe not to the degree of, you know, recent studies saying that. Excuse me, saying that. But absolutely, there have been, because I have people that are adults, <laughs> and have been adults for a long time, that had helicopter parents decades ago. So parents that were very affected. Afraid of disappointment for their kid because they feared that would be a reflection on them as a parent, or they just couldn't stand to see their kids suffer and wanting to give their kid a problem-free life and to only make decisions that would make the parent feel okay, right? And so a lot of little kids didn't learn to open up and share their feelings. They didn't want to disappoint or upset their parents, right? So a lot of things got shut down without us realizing we were shutting things down at the time. Like, we didn't have a clue. Oh, I'm shutting shit down. Nope, didn't know it. And the other extreme, you know, that had an impact is really, to me, I I don't, you know what, I can't say either is more difficult. Because in terms of the sense of self, right, and the ability to be intimate, and the ability to um, have a loving relationship it really is both. I mean, I've worked with people on either end who thought that, you know, they had a pretty idyllic childhood. And, you know, then they come to find, well, you know, mom and dad really made all the decisions for me. I didn't make any decisions. And, you know, my, one of my parents was totally overbearing and the other one wasn't. And, um, I, you know, it's just, again, what we absorb as children and what makes us feel unsafe and what makes us feel like our feelings are something to be discarded. Right. Where love felt conditional unless you were acting a certain way or being a certain way. Um, And, you know, this also, again, bringing back in the whole thing about being male or female really doesn't matter because attachment issues are attachment issues. So whether they're acted out differently by a man or a woman, I could say yes to. But as I said earlier, that's not necessarily true because I work with both. So. Intimacy you have with others may be very conditional, as in you may not have any at all unless it's physical, or you may even shy away from physical, right? You shut down in some way because it feels too scary to be vulnerable. It's the the feeling of, I want to try and explain something esoteric, the feeling of it being uh like you have an inner shield up. Like I guess that's the best way to put it, or a wall. Or maybe a bubble around you, and that's the only place you feel safe in, and you're always pushing out, and yet your desire may be for intimacy, right? So, to me, I had to learn a lot of things about myself before I could even be intimate with another person. I used to think physical, you know, sex was intimate, and not really. You know, it was intense, or it was something where I thought I was connecting, but then the minute you're out of the bedroom, then what, right? So, When it comes to intimacy that's real intimacy, it feels good all the time, not just in a moment, okay? Being authentically who you are and having functional relationships is really about the feeling good you already have coming into those things, making functional relationships. And that comes from having intimacy. Like a functional relationship, if you don't have consistent intimacy, and I'm not talking just physical i'm talking emotional and i'm talking more emotional because it's not like you're going to be physically with the person 24 7 right and you're going to have much more time that's emotional intimacy um than physical so the deal is it may not be the familiar to you in how it looks or where you live but the familiarity of Having people who you react to in a way that has you feeling how you do is what you want to pay attention to so that you can go, you know what, when I met Fred, oh, it was really familiar feeling. I had this feeling like I'd known him all my life and wow. And then you react in a way that's heightened and intense and it's not, that's not intimacy. That's heightened and intense and getting into a fantasy because this feels super familiar And you're thinking, oh, wow, okay, this is something I haven't done, but it is something you've done. So there's a certain level of happiness, love, or other feel good emotions that you can handle. And that's it, a certain level. (laughs) So that might be like an inch or something, okay? So, or it could be bigger. Me, I literally would say it was like an inch because it was like a little bit here, a little bit there. And then if there was more, it would feel weird, foreign, or something was wrong, and I always thought it was the other person, or what's wrong with them? Why do they like me so much? Or what, I'm having too much fun here, something bad's going to happen, although that, that more so came later, but for me, it was always there's something wrong with the other person because it was too easy, or it seemed simple, or why would they like me so much? What the heck is wrong with them? I always wanted who didn't want me. Come on. So we are at the base of all of this, of what we like or don't like in our preferences, which again goes back to the conditioning, which again goes back to how much we allow ourselves to feel feelings and to share feelings and to be close to people. Okay. So it is always about us. And Life can change with us. We can be in the flow instead of outside of it. And the recognition is it's not bad men or bad women or bad anyone. It's our view, our actions, words, feelings, and thoughts. That is a choice. And intimacy is a choice. And again, anytime we're labeling people and judging people, we already are creating distance. We are not creating intimacy. If you have relationships with people and you're judging them, notice you're getting farther away from them rather than closer to them. So, we can choose distance from someone when we're in a relationship. A lot of people have relationships where there's a lot of distancing that goes on, right? So, you can't demand intimacy from someone else. Like, you're distancing, you better get back here. You can't do that, right? And they can't demand that of you. So, some of us, by the way, need that intense pull of someone distancing to try and rope them back in as our pattern. And again, That is all about not having intimacy. You know, even if you feel clingy and you're attached, it's that intense pull. And you're wanting something that's not existing, right? Because you're not open and available. Because if you were open and available, you'd be with somebody who's open and available. So that just, why would you waste your time working so hard? You wouldn't because you would feel a sense of love for you. And I've walked in all these shoes, like depending on if I was anxious or avoidant or both at the same time, which I don't know if I was coming or going from one day to the next, like literally I could feel totally anxious. And then the next day I'd get too much attention, which, you know, isn't really even that much looking back, but too much attention. And I would go, oh, what's going on here? You know what? This is boring now. And I remember saying those words, oh, this is boring now. And then I'd want to start hightailing it away. Right? (laughs) Right. I mean, I was like this day to day in some of these relationships and there was no way intimacy was happening because either I was craving it and, and wanting it so badly and not getting it or I was running from it and so there was just no way I was going to have it. And people served as a band-aid, right? But, but the thing is is that, that whole intense pull and, and back and forth It got tiring for some of us, right? Like me, I was like, ah, I'd rather be alone than even get close. And I would also feel that way because of those kind of experiences like I just described. But also when it became the fear of engulfment, like I couldn't handle someone else's emotions. I was afraid their emotions would swallow me up. So we don't look at ourselves, though, and see this. Like we look at the other person as the object that we're afraid of, not even as a person, but as an object. I know I did. And and I say that because we're not thinking about feelings, we're not thinking about our own. And even if we're thinking about some other someone else's, we're thinking about it from a space of feeling over you know, overly responsible. And we're just seeing them as something to either run from or run to to save us, right? So you can always find a band-aid in another person. The drama of keeping you clinging and saying, I want to stick around and wait till this relationship turns out better. So for me, I got to a point where I didn't want to feel like someone else was controlling my emotional state. So all in all, no matter what side of the push or pull you're on, you block intimacy. So an example would be judgment of the guy or gal you're dating for their behavior rather than looking at your own and thinking someone needs to earn something from you rather than getting that you keep living in a crazy standard that you think will give you what you want when it comes to love, which doesn't really happen. It's kind of a delusion we carry and it doesn't lead to intimacy at all. And that's how we stay emotionally safe, by looking to judge whatever someone brings to us as an opportunity for bonding and we find a problem with it. We will always find a problem with it when we're afraid of intimacy. And it can feel like the boogeyman, like I was saying, like a wall inside of you. Um, I'm looking back on myself and, and how I used to feel So cut off, but afraid like, oh, I can't do that. And it was a pattern and I knew it was a pattern, right? There was the rule, the story, the pattern, all tied up, all coming back to my own lack of feeling value. So we drain ourselves emotionally at the same time from living in a box where we are looking on the outside like we're superior, but really we're feeling inferior and this keeps any intimacy at bay. So call to action. Push, pull, fear of engulfment or abandonment all play havoc on intimacy. To be intimate, step toward what you fear. That's really wrapping the whole thing up in, you know, one and a half little sentences there. So, story. So, I decided to do it a little differently and just do a story about clients. The story of being avoidant and anxious, depending on the situation. And it's really interesting because most of my clients go from one to the other, like I did, you know. Um, not totally anxious all the time, not totally avoidant all the time, because I don't really think anybody is totally, I shouldn't say that, uh, most people aren't totally one or the other. They have some of each inside. So once upon a time, <laughs> I had some clients who were mainly avoidant, but in deep desire to be in a relationship. They could just not get out of their way. They would go on dates and either feel overly responsible for how the other person felt or Or judge the other person so harshly that that person became subhuman by the time the date was over, right? Maybe you've done some of those things. I know I have. So anyways, the ones who felt overly responsible were judging themselves through the eyes of a stranger, a.k.a. their date. And therefore felt they needed to live up to the date's unspoken expectations of them. It meant being strategic, trying to be pleasing, but yet totally shut down emotionally. Fear spoke louder than their desire for getting closer. In fact, many were known to have a panic attack while sitting with their date. And this is, it's funny because you can't obviously tell when people are having a panic attack, right? I mean, sometimes you can when they're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here or something. But when it's inside and they're trying to hold it in, I mean, I know I've had that happen and... Not necessarily on a date. Well, I guess when I ran to my car, that was probably, yeah. Anyway, so the deal is these expectations, the walls closing in, freedom gone, and then being locked in a prison where they could be blamed for what would go wrong in the relationship. And that is the prison, right? Where they feel they would be responsible. They could be a disappointment. Of course, they're going to get blamed for being a disappointment. And that just is held pay to somebody who's an avoidant. That's one of the biggest reasons they avoid because they feel responsible for the other person on one level. So that responsibility being you need to like me and you're not going to like me when you get to know me. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to disappoint you and I can't handle that. And so when you feel responsible for the other person, you don't even know what their feelings are. That's the thing. It's an assumption, right? So, the other person's feelings are muted and not mattering, and it's just anxiety city for my clients that are avoidance. So, this was all in their heads. All. The other person was not even in the story, just my clients. They were making up stories that were leading to shit, I'm gonna be stuck in prison. And so, intimacy remained the fantasy because the fantasy is that a perfect person, imagine like a scarecrow or a blow up doll. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. I couldn't think of, I was trying to think of something that wasn't human, okay, would show up and then my client would be released from these fears. Like literally, you'd have to have a non-human being come and save you and it's just that person doesn't exist because people are going to elicit certain emotional reactions from you, right? I mean, emotional reactions aren't necessarily trigger, trigger, trigger. And if they are, then you got some work to do. But they would feel overwhelmed by any emotional reaction to another person if they feel a sense of responsibility. They just go right into overwhelm, shit, I'm going to be engulfed. Then we got the other ones who were the judge and the jury looking at everything the other person did or did not do, from their voice to their looks to their job or the way they ate or how much interest they had in my client could all become a huge handicap to the unsuspecting person. Oh, my God. Like the date isn't even having an awareness that they've got a judge and jury sitting across from them. So they did not know that was happening. And meanwhile, inside my client's head were fantasies of being anywhere but on this date, like home hanging out by themselves, usually, sometimes with friends and perhaps even family anywhere. But on this date, in fact, the dentist sounds like a damn good place to go, right? So my clients just wanted to bolt the anxiety building through the date and the other person discussed them or somehow they feel superior to them. Oh, that poor dimwit that I went out with. Yeah, no, here's the deal. Intimacy was not available there either, right? On either of these dates, right? How about this? Um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of grouping clients over the years together in all of this. So, and then when you have these intense attractions that showed up, and a lot of my lovely avoidants had those, and they would jump on the yo-yo train, looking for validation, but calling it connection, in and out, upside down and around, long lost feelings of being alive come out, right? You feel those intense feelings and think it's love, it's not, it's attachment, along with anxiety. because. You know, this is a different anxiety than the panic attack on a date when you're going to feel responsible for someone. This is there is this chemistry and there's something about this person that's probably reminding you of mom or dad or some main caregiver you had. And it's stoking the fire here. Right. The whole fear of loss. That's what makes that intensity. It's the fear of loss. Oh, my God, I better do this because I don't want to lose this person because all of a sudden it's going to fix how I feel. And I didn't even know I wanted to be fixed for how I feel. So it can have you performing like the person at the circus to be shot out of a cannon, right? It's that intensity. Then the sex happens with their being, what seems like intimacy, but it's really stolen moments because once it's over, there is distance. Yes. So I used to do all of the above along with my clients. We've all done this little dance, song and dance, fun times, good times, right? Not really, but there's more. <laughs> You know, I mean, this has been so many conversations over the years and so many situations, right? And the issue is these positions do not unfold into intimacy. You have to actually do the work to get your ass to intimacy, really. I mean, I have had to work my ass off at being able to do it because emotional intimacy is hard and you have to be consistent. You can't just do it once in a while because that's not really intimacy. That's playing a game. So, and I know most people don't play games on purpose. Most don't. Uh, some get into the swing of it, a lot of avoidance do, but again, even if they think that they're being, um, oh, I'm trying to think of a word, like a Lothario, you know, as a guy or I don't know, whatever you call a chick who does that, it's really fear that drives that behavior, although they probably would never ever know that or admit it, but it's true, it's all the fear of commitment. It's fear, it's not love, because if you love yourself, you're not doing that kind of shit. Okay, so and that's not I'm not telling you that. So you get somebody who's an avoidant in your life to listen. It's that it's really all this conditioning. And uh, that's the bummer. You know, it is because we miss out a lot on our lives in a sense by conditioning. And I don't mean miss out like, oh, I want to go back and repeat it. But I mean, miss out because we're not paying attention. We're not emotionally present because that's an intimacy with life. Right. So one of the things, you know, like with clients that um, fall into this that I'm talking about is these, as I said, none of this leads toward intimacy. And there's always going to be excuses until a client will stick their hand in the fire. Really. One of my favorite things is when I discuss dating with uh, clients of mine and I hear, but I've tried that or I can't do that. Like when I'm saying this is what you're going to need to do. Oh, I've already done that. There's no good men or women. There's this, there's that, blah, blah, blah. Or I can't do that. Are you kidding? No way. So both are synonymous with fear and that they would prefer to stay in their familiar zone. Of course. So it never challenges someone to make movement in these instances because the problem is they won't do it. It is all a story and they'll stay in the story. They'll stay in the story of all guys are boring. She's going to want to marry. She's going to want me to marry her. Uh, he will think I have to sleep with him and I don't want to owe him. He was so unattractive because he kept catering to me. Uh, let's see another one. All the ones who are good are gone. So these are the little stories in our heads, right? And that's what keeps you feeding your belief, right? The whole belief rules, stories, patterns, and evidence. That's what you're doing. So this is what my clients were doing, and this never allows someone to open up to a person. It's an excuse to assume about someone else and yourself and stay shut down. What's the happy ending for my clients? Well, a lot of them change their lives. Not every single one. Some of them fight tooth and nail to stay stuck, and they still change. It's just, I guess, to varying degrees, right? Some people change dramatically. Other people change a little bit. It just really depends, So a happy ending for some, you know, some excuses and stories of fear from others, um, you know, that they really don't want to give it up. I mean, there are people that I work with that get through the attachment stuff and then they're like, oh, shit, I don't think I want to be in a relationship. And then they'll find excuses not to and say, I'm going to work on myself for the rest of my life. (laughs) And so they get into the avoidant mode. Um, You know, and that's too bad, and I can only transform or help people to transform to the degree that they're willing to transform, right? And uh, anyways, it's crazy, though, because we are physiologically, biologically, whatever you want to call it, wired for intimacy. But when you fear engulfment or abandonment rules you to the degree that you refuse to dig deeper and be vulnerable, good luck with that, really. And I'm not saying it to be sarcastic. I mean, really, that is hard. But my clients that I'm thinking about, you know, keep sticking their big toe in and they stay a little bit longer. They open up a little bit more. They learn more. They notice how they show up and what they're doing and why and what their expectations are. And they get out of their heads and they start changing and growing and freeing themselves. It's like the most amazing thing to watch people do this, by the way. Oh, my God. It's one of the reasons I do what I do, because I finally see people have emotional freedom and they're not bogged down by all this bullshit that is their conditioning, you know? So it's cool watching people open to vulnerability and creating intimacy through doing it. They get out of their prison. Okay, the call to action again. The push, pull, fear of engulfment or abandonment all play havoc on intimacy. To be intimate, step toward what you fear. Why it's important. It's important because you have a choice. And for many, they prefer fear and remaining in their box, hoping someone comes along with a box cutter. You can just stay stuck in this hell forever of non-bonding or feeling in alignment, or I'm sorry, feeling not in alignment with others. Yeah, and just be the lone wolf, right, on your desert island. And I know what you're thinking, though. I know. You're thinking, I'm picky. I'm not going to settle. Or fuck it. I'm okay being alone forever. Or maybe you're in a relationship and believe the moments when you're in bed are intimacy. So intimacy doesn't come in moments, like I said earlier, and vanish, Intimacy comes and stays you can't avoid and expect intimacy and I'm not saying that you're You know wrapped around each other 24 7. That's not really what intimacy is in its Relationship term, you know intimacy is having that open communication and that vulnerability and the ability To keep stepping forward through what you fear to get closer to the other person Does it mean it's you don't argue or have problems? No, But you put the relationship above that. You put the intimacy above that. It's more important for the state of health for yourself and the relationship. So that's what you want to have because that is a reflection of your own well-being. Okay, so I got four tips. Number one, find where your focus is when you date. What are you looking at? Two, when you see your focus and it is anywhere but on you, bring it back to you and see what it is that it is in the way of you focusing on yourself. What is triggering you to look outward rather than to be connected inward? And then just notice the fear. What is your fear? An assumption, a guess, a judgment, basically. Where does it come from? Notice it. And number four, when you see it, say it. Yes, share. You might want to choke instead, but work up to this on a date, like literally make it your goal. Call to action again. The push, pull, fear of engulfment or abandonment all play havoc on intimacy. To be intimate, step toward what you fear. You got a universal right. Yes, you do. You can avoid intimacy forever. It's not a man or woman thing. It's a human thing to want it and run from it. Yeah. Okay. You don't want that, right? Stop tripping yourself and experience something new. Experience your reality transforming as all your doubts and stories are demolished. I got two related podcasts. 385 journey of attachment the attachment to obstacles 319 journey of attachment the undeniable urge to bolt so i'm happy that you tuned in i all i love doing this i'm totally happy to be able to provide you with hopefully tips and well, tips that can help you, but also that you're not alone out there. There are other people that have this kind of stuff, right? So if you've got questions, feedback, anything, go ahead and email podcast at tracycrossley.com. Also, I would love it if you would leave a five-star rating on iTunes for me just because that gets it out to more people that could absolutely use the kind of help in these podcasts. And if you want to take it another step, I highly recommend that you go for talking to either Nicole or to Sheila. You can get a hold of them at Nicole at TracyCrossley.com or Sheila at TracyCrossley.com. And then you can talk about all the things that I offer that could help you in your life. Okay, you guys, take care. Bye-bye. Questions about today's show? Reach out to Tracy at info at And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating for the show so it can be heard by more people. For all things Tracy, check out tracycrossley.com.